0: So We're going to start off in Lando's Lounge where we bring to you JJ's juggernaut, Josiah Meyer, the 2017? 16. 16. <laughs> world's world's uh, champion. And then we're going to go to Dodona schoolhouse where JJ's going to hang out with us. And we're going to talk about, talk about squadronless fleets. This was a uh, listener email where they asked us to go over this. So we're going to go over that with you guys. After that, we're going to go to Taste. We're going to talk about Brian's world's trip, and we're going to talk about a, a new format we found that works really good for tourneys where you actually get four rounds in. And that's on today's episode. So let's go.
1: Would you join me for a little refreshment? Everyone's invited, of course. I don't claim you can have a better time with Cold 45 than without it. But why take chances.
0: Okay, here we are in Lando's Lounge. We got Josiah Burkhardsmeyer all the way from Minnesota. Where are you at right now, Josiah?
2: Yeah, sure, you betcha.
0: <laughs> Where are you at? Are you at? Are you at school right now? Or are you in North, or Are you in Minnesota?
2: I am still at school. Uh, I'm taking a summer class as I'm nearing the end of this long college journey. So, uh, are you
0: a senior right now?
2: I am. I have less than a full semester left. I have a couple classes in the fall, and then I'm Lucky done. Man, so. man. Good for uh, you. you. you go to North Dakota State, right? Yep. Uh, well, no, not North Dakota State. North, North Dakota. University of North Dakota, not, not the
3: bison. Oh, is is there a big difference between like state universities and other universities like there are in Michigan?
2: Well, they're both state universities is the confusing part. Cause there's just, there's university of North Dakota. I just mean a to mean, university, like if you then, go
3: to Michigan and I go to Michigan state. It's like two different things. Like that'll get you shot in Detroit. Yeah,
2: It's, <laughs> a, it's, a, fist fight. it's a fist fight here. Yeah. It, I don't think there's a huge difference, other than they kind of have different specialties. In, like, in Ohio,
3: if you're like, I go to Ohio State, and you say I go to Ohio, people are like, "Who gives a shit?"
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Just, <laughs> <Right>. completely different. <laughs> it so I, I don't interesting. <laughs> well, I no- mean,
2: it's it's North Dakota, so you know. Not that yeah, much difference. There's only like 300 people anyway.
4: Right.
0: <laughs> Everybody's on a first name basis there.
4: Yeah, everybody at State is just like your cousin.
3: <laughs> are they Chaldean? I don't get it.
0: <laughs> You're not dating your cousin, are you, Josiah? Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> okay, I don't like in
0: your business too much, but maybe, yeah, it's cool. I didn't, not my business. So, hey.
2: I, I am from Minnesota, so... You know. <laughs> All right. We'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah. So, All right. We brought you in to talk to you about 2018 Worlds. And we all watched that final game. But before we talk about that final game, I want to pick your brain a little bit. And I want you to go through your thought process on your world's list creation. First, tell us your list and how you got there and why you chose to run that.
2: All right. so the fleet that i was running was uh, a rebel fleet with an mc-75 ordnance cruiser with ordnance experts early warning system external racks assault proton, tor- to- blah, blah, blah. assault proton torpedoes and profundity so that's the the big hitter in my list mm-hmm. uh and then for the profundity inside we have a hammerhead torpedo corvette with ordnance experts and external racks uh, and then I have a naked CR-90B with Admiratus on it and two naked GR-75 transports. And then Shara, Tycho, two VCX-100s and four YT-2400s.
0: Okay. So let me stop you there real quick because that, it's kind of the same of what you ran for your Vassal World Cup, but you clearly went squad heavy. You you shifted very hard because in your Basel World Cup. Did you just have Shara Tycho, I believe
2: I had Shara Tycho in the the VCXs. So it was about half as many squad points, um, and those extra points were basically put into instead of a CR ninety as my my admiral flagship. I had admonition. Um, so I had a you know like an H nine, uh, turbolaser ordnance experts apt uh admonition with radis on it that i was using because i wanted it to be safe and admonition tends to be you know pretty defensive for radis um mm-hmm. and i still wanted it to be able to to do some damage but playing through the vassal world cup and when i kind of made that fleet in a rush <laughs> the mc30 was taking a lot of punishment and wasn't really getting to fight much like it was keeping radis alive but wasn't getting the damage i wanted it to be doing so uh Obviously, taking from that experience, I ended up playing uh, Carlo, you know, Roquax, in the, the semifinals for the World Cup. And then he went on to play in Canadian Nationals and took a, a kind of a similar sweet idea off of what I had played against him, except he had done eight YT-2400s as his squads. Uh, so I, I kind of, what was it? I said, right.
0: Don't yeah. let me interrupt you. Just keep going. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so... I kind of looked at that, and I was like, "Well, maybe I could, you know, try something a little squad heavier uh, when I'm testing for worlds," because again, uh, worlds fell at a really awkward time, being at the very end of a you know senior year school semester. So <laughs> everything's crazy busy. I didn't have a whole lot of time to to do some practice. So I threw out a couple different variations of radis fleets because. I kind of wanted to stick with something that I had you know, played recently, which was the Vassal World Cup. And I could see it, ways to tweak it and see how I wanted to go with it. So I did some with, with fewer squads and more activations. Uh, and then I was like, well, figuring Sloan's going to be pretty big and pretty popular at Worlds. And so I should give it a shot with more squads. And I was like, I'll throw in some YT2400s, downgrade ADMO, and then cut out some of my bid. And, and see if these you know, squads can, can help hold up uh, some of these crazy squad like fleets that are out there. So what was your bid? Uh, three points.
0: <laughs> so almost oh, wow. no bid. Almost no bid, yep. So you were planning on being comfortable mm-hmm. going second. What were your objectives?
2: My objectives were Station Assault, Planetary Ion Cannon, and Intel Sweep.
0: How many times did you go second at Worlds?
2: I went second three of the four Swiss rounds. Was it your choice? Uh, no, I was outbid all four Swiss rounds and I was given first once. Okay. Cool. Okay.
0: So. You're welcome. Yes. That yeah,
2: was against uh, Brian. Uh, Brian. It was, it was
0: Brian. Brian. You, you punished our poor Brian. But, yeah, spoiler alert, but, but JJ stomped on Brian to get himself to the final game. <laughs> <laughs> so, my next question is You clearly, I think you clearly saw that squadrons are still a massive part of this game. And I think you took lessons learned from the Vassal World Cup. And you already said it. You were nervous about Sloan fleets. Do you, do you think that squads
5: –
0: okay, we, we all know that Armada is a combined arms game. It's definitely squads and ships. It's not just one or the other, right? So we, was that more of an insurance policy on your part? Like you're like, I got to go squad heavy just to combat – Somebody else' that's squad heavy, which you assumed you were going to
2: run into a lot part of it you know it's interesting because there's kind of there's two schools of thought going into to worlds because we just we had the FAQ drop you know right after the Vassal World cup and, and moving towards worlds, so it's like may, maybe I don't need to go as many squads and just go for those tabling you know those those aggressive tablings with with ships yep. and yep. Yep. if I' cut out some of those squads, I could have added in uh, you know another combat ship instead of. Uh, a gr75 or you know another hammerhead or something but i just felt like if i had more squads especially the rogues being fairly independent i could at least get some points out of the squadron game and so i wasn't just sacrificing a ship to sloan you know or bomber fleets instead i could try to trade a little bit more evenly okay okay so
0: leading up to the final game because you made the top four spoiler alert everybody sorry and if you didn't know fuck you (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe watch the stream or something but jj made it to the final four on your way to the final four who did you face and what did you run into
2: so uh i ended up facing first game was a Dadonna fleet with a home one and a liberty and then a smattering of squads like some 1300s some 2400s a couple a wings you remember who you um, played it was it was one of the steel squadron guys but not bigs Uh, and Um, I'm forgetting it was one of the Pittsburgh guys I should say he had a steel squadron shirt on um then again that doesn't necessarily mean he's from Pittsburgh because I was wearing a steel squadron shirt too (laughs) we'll we'll ignore that I'm pretty sure he was from Pittsburgh (laughs) Uh, so I was I was second player and I basically that game was able to to drop with Radis in front of the MC80 home one and kill it and get station assault objective points to win that game uh, 9, nine nine three 3, or 8, 3, excuse me. It was one MOV away from a 9. Uh, going on to round 2, I played against a Sloan Interdictor Quasar fleet. Uh, and then I was, again, was second player, played Planetary Iron Cannon, which I messed up horribly uh, and didn't get to use at all. And I made one decision in that game where I, I didn't take the shot on the Quasar when I had it and instead finished off his Interdictor. But because he was first player, that meant his Quasar was able to escape where his Interdictor would have been pinned and I could have killed at a later time. So I ended up, his Sloan aces just rolled four to five damage, a shot against my squads and murdered them all. Uh, And then I threw in my Sierra 90 to try to get his Quasar to table him since I had killed his Interdictor, but I ended up losing that. So uh, that game was a 5-6 against me. So I assume Sloan was on the Quasar then? No, Sloan was on the interdictor. But, I mean, I basically only killed the interdictor and, like, two squads. And I lost all my squads, my Hammerhead, my CR90, and uh, I may have lost a transport, but I don't remember.
0: Well, Whoever you played kept getting lucky with hits because Sloan's not getting the ability anymore.
2: Well, the 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 damage against my squads was where he was rolling super high. And at that point, I killed his interdictor. And he never really bombed me with his his squads uh like his he killed my hammerhead from his uh from his interdictor because i had to park it in front at speed zero because he had the grab shift that makes you deploy (laughs) at speed zero yeah um which it was a fine it was a sacrifice and I i was going for gutsy for the tabling but i took the wrong shot and then he was able to use merrick to end up killing my corvette at the end so america care
1: more,
0: about man god the America. did he have Jenna in there too I yeah
4: yep. yeah
0: fucking super friends <laughs> <laughs>
2: it. Yep.
4: it's just so good yeah it's really good so you lost a five six
1: there
2: yeah yep and moving on to game three against brian and oh. i guess I, I won't go into super detail that brian probably you know cover that when he gets to his games Uh, if he so desires.
3: Thanks for letting me take my word about it. I'm just going to talk shit about you.
1: So, and
2: ended up winning that game. I'll I'll just say that one as a (laughs) nine. (laughs) So
0: I I do want to ask you a question about that because, okay, so I know what happened in that game because Brian's texting me during the game and the whole time I'm saying to him, I don't even know if you could pull these texts up right now. Don't, Don't do it. But essentially it was like, you're not smarter than JJ. Don't get cute. And he tried to do both things. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know that Brian tried to do a cute little setup to try to jump you, and you're like, uh, that's not going to work. And then he jumped <laughs> him. <laughs> it's <shit>.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I, that it's, that's pretty much what I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so cliffhanger there, guys. Just keep listening. Yeah. Uh, for um. Uh, I, I can't remember the segment name, but whatever. When Brian talks, he'll... It, it's called he'll, How
4: My Rim Taste. Yeah, How My Rim Taste. He'll
0: expand on it, on how he made a huge mistake and embarrassed himself in Worlds. <laughs> yeah. so, Brian, anything to say to that?
4: I just
3: got real drunk after that and lost my next game. So. I had a great time. Worlds was
0: awesome. Um. All right, so on to your fourth game.
2: Uh, yeah, so at this point, I'm sitting at 22 tournament points. And I'm on, you know, in the top like six, I believe, at this point. Uh, we have Yik, who is like five points ahead of everyone else, and then everyone else is kind of in a pack. Uh, so it's yeah. it's kind of anyone's game for anyone getting a big win on the, you know the top three tables. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, I got to win big, so we'll see what we get. Ended up playing against a two-assault frigate with boosted comm, flight controllers, uh, and then two transports with, I believe, ten Y-wings and two A-wings.
0: Who the fuck was running that? Wow. That does not
2: get him? Yeah. No, it was Garm. It was Garm. Garm?
4: Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah. So he, I guess he's been running this fleet for, for quite a while. Do you and
0: his
2: name? who was this? I believe his name was Daryl. I think he's from he was from Texas and now is in like the Virginia area.
1: Okay.
2: Um, but so so I was playing against him, and it, it was great. I was like, well, this this is kind of like a perfect storm. Like if I win, I have a shot at winning and winning big because of kind of you know he only had two ships and I could go for a tabling. And if like and if I lose, I lose to Y wings. So. Win win. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So ended up playing that game as second player again. He picked my station assault. And I was able to drop in front of his conga line after I had lured his kind of Y-wings away. And he tried to block my Radus drop with an A-wing. And I was able to kill it with my rogues. And basically I I killed his only three non-heavy squads. And so I just fired on his two assault frigates with everything I had, including my squads. And I ended up tabling him at turn three or four. I was able to, to trap wow. him with the radish drop. So he wasn't able to, to get away with both assault frigates. He almost sneaked one by me. But then I, I rolled a big, huge side shot with the, the MC-75 with the external racks on the side and a concentrate fire. Rolled a red accuracy, and and it, it toasted him. So So that game was over in turn three? It, it was three or four. Turn three or four, it was wow. it was over by. So Wow. yeah. And then that was a, a 10 because he wasn't able to kill much. Uh, but obviously, if he had managed to get away with one of those assault frigates, then his squads would have been able to to start going at me.
0: So that puts you in fourth place, right? You were the last one to qualify?
2: Well, that put me in second place for the day because uh-huh. there were there were two oh, days. that's right. That's, that's right. Um, it ended up being I was fourth out of the top two from each day. Right. Aggregate, which is why I ended up playing Yick. Um, but yeah, I was I was second for that day at 32 tournament points.
6: Okay.
0: So on to the top four game where you faced Yick and his <laughs> So we said this in the last episode, and we kind of thought it might happen, and especially for a guy like this who doesn't play much of anything else really, that we're aware of, is the Riken ace holes. And it came back in a big way. So all he did was replace GH GH with a hammerhead, right? Or two hammerheads. Two, two hammerheads. Yeah. But he essentially had the same plan. So go ahead and set us up. Set us up with it. Get us to the point where you
2: did your drop. So this is a very interesting game because
0: infuriating is the word you're looking
2: for. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> So he has a, a, a fleet that is very hard to get points from Sure. because he has uh, four non-flotilla ships with his flagship CR-90, his Yovaris, and his two Hammerheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes it really hard to table because he can spread out. He has six activations, which means he can hold off on his squad activations until after I've gone, or most people have gone with, you know... A, Smaller activation fleet, and with Yavars, Adar Talon, and Corrin Horn, he can smoke you at the end of a round and kill almost kill something guaranteed, and potentially you know almost kill two things if if he goes well. And he can basically do that with Corrin from out of retaliation range, <laughs> and you can get in big trouble. And he also had Dutch Vander, which would have just murdered my rogues if I was careless and, and got them in there. So uh, I was first player. It Was the first time in the tournament I got to to pick and he had most wanted. So that was great in my favor because he couldn't do it on my MC 75 and he couldn't do it on my hammerhead because they're off the board due to Radis. So he ended up picking one of my flotillas and his flagship.
4: Yeah. Which I was really surprised about. Cause like, I mean, I, I guess before deployment, he didn't know what you were doing, but I mean, he put it on his own flagship. Seems like the absolute worst choice possible.
0: So the reason I know why he did this because he had no intention of engaging that flagship whatsoever, and he set it off to the side and he set it to fly away. Yep, that's that's, that's basically it set up JJ's masterstroke, which he then fucked up. So go ahead, JJ. <laughs> yep. Yeah,
2: just blew it. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, moving on. Uh, so. uh, the first, after deployment, because again, he out-deploys me. He's able to kind of set things up. I'd have to do a wide spread so I can have options for the Radish Drop. And the whole first turn of the game where I'm I'm moving in carefully, trying to avoid getting my squads into range where he can pounce on them, I'm just puzzling. Like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to win this fight? Because it's really hard to get points from his fleet. And he flies it very defensively. It's, you know, slow and packed. and it's just it's really like a puzzle you're trying to pick apart and nothing was coming to me i'm just like man if i engage with my squads i'm going to lose something early on and then he's going to pound uh with dutch on my rogues and i'm going to lose a bunch of my squad power even if i drop in with Ratis and kill yavaris he's going to reiken it and it's still going to get to go that turn which is going to to murder me and i'm like well killing yavaris doesn't win me the game if i lose all my squads something i had learned in my round round two loss is while having all these squads is nice to tie up other squads, it's a lot of points I can give away, um, which which can come back to bite me. So I'm like, I wasn't sure even if dropping in on Yavars if I could kill enough of his squads with Yavars to give me the win points-wise, because you know he's also going to have his hammerheads in there and his, his transports providing flak, and it would have just been a really big mess. And I was not confident in the outcome. And that's when it hit me. So it was like turn turn two-ish. And I realized that I could drop Radis in on his flagship. The way it was positioned, I could try to to kill his his flagship Sierra 90, which was most wanted, and would give me a a good lead that I needed. And so at this point, I started playing a game where I'm fainting towards him so he doesn't realize that I'm going to, to cut and run, basically, once I get the lead. I don't want it to look like I'm going to cut and run early because if he sees that, he can start to counter it and he could speed up, he could move towards me and he could end up catching up to me later on. So I had to keep him packed and defensive until there wasn't time for him to break away and, and chase me as I kind of pulled away with my, my stuff. So I was using my squads to try to pull over you know, part of his squad force and it was working. Uh, I had my most of my, my rogues and then my flagship and a transport all kind of one side with his hammerheads and a few of his squads. And then I brought in Raddus. I was able to get a great position with the profundity hammerhead double arcing uh, on his, his flagship.
0: So let me stop you there real quick. So, cause yeah. I watched the feed. So I'm watching this and I never watch these things cause they're boring as fuck, but I'm like, JJ's playing, he's playing a different fleet. Cause if anybody doesn't know the other three fleets were all right in Aceholes in the top four. JJ was the only different one. So yeah. I'm of course invested in this because I deeply want the non Ace Aceholes to win. <laughs> so I'm watching this thing and I get and as JJ's explaining it now, this is what's going through my head as I'm watching him. And I'm texting the other guys in the group, I'm like, he's gonna drop in on that fucking on that uh flagship, kill it and turn away and that's it. Because I knew that it was the most wanted even though the fucking announcers for this
4: oh god brutally bad. Uh...
0: Dude, you would think these fuckers never played Armada. Like, it—I don't. You, of course, didn't hear and see it yourself, but it was bad, man. Like, these guys have no fucking clue about the game itself, or like what was going on. They were naming shit, different things. Like, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. So I turned the audio off because I couldn't take it anymore. So I switched to just straight video, and I'm doing a commentary in my own head, and I'm texting these guys. I'm like, all right, he's turning out, and I can see. Cause I played Radis a lot up to this point. I'm like, I know the threat range of that profundity drop. And I'm like, I know as soon as he sets that fucking uh, 75 down, that hammerhead is going to reach that CR 90 B and he's going to destroy that fucking thing. So I see this happening. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And I was clapping at the time. I'm going, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and so, and I could see exactly what you were doing. And it was perfect up until that point. I'm like, this is a fucking master stroke. Look at this guy. Fucking on a different level than the rest of us. And then what happened, JJ?
2: And then uh, disaster struck. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: after the drop, though, so let's get to that point. Because you dropped, and you destroyed that CR-90B, and he wrecked that ship. Because why not? Because nothing else was getting
2: hit. Yep, I, I rolled fairly average uh i ended up needing a ram to finish him off because you actually I, rolled I, I
4: was shitty like really shitty you should have easily blown that up well with the like hammerhead.
2: i got an accuracy on the red or the blue one of the two days which is what i needed in order to to kill him because that, that redirect sure. like to guarantee it um and then you use the external axe and the concentrate fire on that shot and you have a great chance i re-rolled a black with ordinance experts into a, in a black blank into a black blank um yeah. which meant i had to get the ram but it it was still it was fairly average dice wise from what i needed to to kill it and so I'm feeling great. i'm like all right this is this is a huge lead now i can i can you know pull off my my master strategy and, and get out of here and so i move the move the hammerhead and then later on in that round the m c seventy five gets to go, and it's doing its maneuver, and I'm looking at this, and I have a nav because I was planning on you know, uh, turning away. And I was like, I'm on stream. I don't want to be boring.
4: (laughs) Oh, you got greedy.
0: (laughs) In my brain too, like, I'm like, he is going to go after that Yavaris now. And as soon as you turned in, I just started screaming at the screen. No, no, no. And I started clapping again, but I was fucking smacking my own face. I'm like, no, no, no. And
2: I'm doing it right now again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be fair, like, it wasn't even, like, greedy, like, oh, I can kill you, Vars. It was like, you know, maybe I'll kill you, Vars. But I was, I just made a snap decision. And I was like, I don't want to be boring because this is a streamed game, you know. And I turned in and I was like, you know, he's, he's only got a couple squads over here. He won't be able to kill me. You know, I, I know how much damage you, can do, but I was like, he probably won't do quite enough. And I just made that decision. And that was the decision in the game, <laughs> because yes, it was once I turned in, he was able to he played it very well. He did exactly what he needed to do. He was able to keep uh, the relay range to to get his double taps in, and he just wore down my m c seventy five. He had it down to one hole, and there was still a whole round left to go. And at this point, because of my my master stroke, I guess of moving my my squads over to one side to kind of pull some of his squads away, uh, I wasn't able to get back in time to to defend.
0: Which, then, the- worked. which worked because I'm watching the stream, and I you had you had him flat footed. He was splitting his squads. He wasn't sure which way he wanted to go. Like everything was working until that point, point. Yeah. it really was. And I know you saw <laughs> it. And yeah. I mean, you know what you did. I mean, we're Monday morning, mo- Monday morning quarterbacking the shit out of you right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, trust me yeah. it's, it's, it's not a game I'll forget anytime soon uh, but yeah, you-, you had him beat it was over as soon as you took out
0: that ship. I'm like fuck this game's over JJ did it it's done but as soon as you turned the 75 in I also started screaming
2: yeah, yeah. because it, if I had turned away he wouldn't have been able to, to get no, me in relay range because, because Yvarsh was heading the other way and the, the relay wouldn't have been able to stretch out Uh, as far as he would have needed. And also, I'm gonna gonna throw one thing out at this point because uh, I've heard some people saying different things uh, as to another little thing that happened. Uh, I flew my Radis CR90 flagship off the board. Yeah, real small, yeah. So it actually is real small. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's my point because people are like, man, he's just foolish, What, what is this guy doing? What is this scrub doing? So first off, I did make a mistake and I didn't bank a token early on when I meant to. And that meant I wasn't able to make the turn. But at this point I had an option to fly that CR ninety into like B Wing squads and his hammerheads and have it die, guaranteed. <laughs> or to turn it away and try to escape, like the plan was. And I mean I was that like,
0: was definitely the right move. The problem oh, was is you didn't have enough navs and you weren't slow enough.
2: yeah Yeah. and it was because of that token but at the same point this this is where i i get to the point where i'm like it it doesn't matter because i had calculated it out at that point because of the most wanted uh, flagship he had i could lose my radis corvette a transport which again i had one that couldn't escape because it was it was heading towards his fleet i knew it was a, a goner yep and I could lose Tycho, which I had used to tie up some of his squads near my MC-75. I could lose all three of those and still win the game. And so I don't really care that I flew the Radice here and off the board. Like, if it had lived, okay. But it all came down to the MC-75. and Which, which I, mean, I, I agree
0: done. with, and I understand your thought process there. And up to that point, when you flew it off the board, too, I'm like, oh, that doesn't matter. Because yeah. they're also doing a point total on the stream. And I'm just doing it in my own head as well. And I'm like, well, that actually doesn't matter. As long as he turns away with the seventy-five, the problem is that's not what happened.
4: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. When when you deployed that thing, I I, like I was like, put it backwards. If you would have just gone the other way with the MC seventy-five, because then you would have guaranteed in case the hammerhead couldn't kill it, it would have moved right into the side arc of the seventy-five. Then you would have definitely gotten the CR ninety, and it was going the other way. It wouldn't have been able, you know, he wouldn't have been able to get to it at all.
2: Yeah, I mean I was basically going to going to turn out that way anyway. I was angled kind sure. of towards his corner of the board. So I, I wasn't concerned about flying off the board. That isn't why I turned the way I turned. Uh, oh, but, no, no,
4: no. I know, but if you would have just gone totally backwards, you yeah. would have lined you up with his uh corvette had he been able to survive.
2: Yeah, that uh, definitely would have been an option. And that would have that would have kept me from being able to, you know, put my foot in my mouth, but uh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
4: It is what it is. I mean, obviously, you played really well and you did set that trap up just masterfully. He totally fell for it. And, you know, everybody gets greedy sometimes. I know I've done it a ton of times and I'm, you know, I'm not as good of a player, but, uh, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, it all boils down to, Josiah, you played a fucking excellent game up to that point. Like, I'm watching this thing. I'm like, yes, yes, he's falling for it. Yes, yes, it's all coming together. And I, I mean, I got to say, though, dude, like, you know we i wouldn't say shitting on you cuz i wouldn't do that like i if anybody knows Josiah which a lot of people don't he's one of the best fucking guys in the game guys yep. i mean if you ever have the Definitely. privilege to play Josiah you're lucky like as he pounds the fuck out of you you feel good about yourself like, yeah. you, don't, you don't feel like a shitbag like cuz you'll play some of these guys and they'll it's not an enjoyable experience they don't win right? graciously they don't win graciously Josiah is one of the most gracious winners i've ever seen
4: well, and the, the difference too is he doesn't like bring like bitchy lists that are just like beat you with annoying bullshit. <laughs> it's like when you lose, it's like, oh, I got beat because he outsmarted me. Yeah, because he's, <laughs>
0: he's just better at the game than I am. Yeah, he,
4: yeah. and that's how I'd rather lose. <laughs> yes, I'd much rather lose to a better player that.
0: And also, kudos to you, man. Like, you're willing to try different things. Like, Joe's has gone to Worlds.
2: Did you go to the first one? Yes, I've been to every Armada Worlds.
0: And you've played a different list every single time,
2: yeah? Yes. Cool. I, I took the three Nebulons, the first Worlds, those 300-point Worlds. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I mean, how many other options did you actually <laughs> have? <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but the
0: thing is, I think Josiah's has proven himself to be, if not the top player, he's like top three or something. And it's hard to say. I mean, we're... <sighs> self-deprecating on this podcast and that we understand we're not the best players in the world and like some other fucking people out there, because there's guys that don't go to these major tournaments that could possibly beat the brakes out of all of us. We just don't know them. Like they don't, you know, they're not out there in the big scene like some people are. Yeah. So I think the point I'm trying to make is, is that there are much better players out there that we don't know about and some of the people that are out there that are good, that think they're really great, aren't. <laughs> because they keep playing the fucking thing over and over again.
3: Big fish, small pond kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: Big fish, small pond. And, they, and they're and they so used to something that they don't try anything else. And, and the only way they can do well, or do good at worlds even, is to play the same fucking thing over and over again because they don't know how to do anything else.
2: Well, that – that could be. I think part of it too is there's different player styles. Like some people, that's that's just what they do. They play the same thing because that's what they enjoy. And they're they're the type of person that enjoys tinkering slightly. They they make small changes and then play a bunch. Small changes and play a bunch. That's never been me. I'm always like, I want to try something different and new and I wanna play all these different fleets and try all these different ideas. But I do understand that there are those players that that do like playing similar things. And that doesn't mean that they're not you know, strong players at sometimes. You know I'm getting at.
1: You're being nice. Yeah, You're being nice. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, <laughs> the, the the thing is, is that I the thing is, I watch these guys play, and they sure as fuck to me don't look like they're enjoying themselves. They look miserable as fuck, and they're just doing it. So it's it's a type of player that I see at these major tournaments, and I've seen it. Like, I don't play X-wing, but I've been like a bystander to some of that, and I could tell these guys they run it because they think it wins, not because they enjoy playing it. Or they even enjoy competition. They just want to win at all costs, and that's a type of player. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right.
1: No, but you're gonna
4: you're gonna get more of that type of player of compared to X-wing. Compared to X-wing, no.
0: I mean, that's a bigger well. <laughs> I mean, filled with bigger fucking douchebags. I mean, there's some shitheads in X-wing. There just
4: is. Yeah. Well, you get more people. There's going to be more shitheads, right?
0: Absolutely. And thankfully, and honestly, I mean, I will put this out there as well. In the Armada community, we have a much smaller group of shitty shithead players than a lot of other
4: games do that are much bigger. I definitely agree. The percentage of shitheads is way lower.
3: Yeah, I think I've only played two people in Armada that have thrown their dice. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like a thing in X-Wing.
0: Yeah, Brian Bri was a big X-Wing guy before you yeah, was actually,
3: Armada. you come to X-Wing with a fucking catcher's mitt to catch people's dice <laughs> when they throw
0: them. <laughs> it's a tantrum across the fucking table. And stuff like that I just don't understand. I mean, how do you let a game affect you so much to the point where you're tantruming like a child?
2: I think I only played against one person like that ever. It was at the, the first Gen Con they had for Armada, uh, which was the first big like armada tournament i played at and again this was like wave wave one so i was doing Nebulons because i was just loving playing Nebulons early on and uh, he had like two vsds and i just out jousted him like uh and i killed him and like he was so angry i have never seen someone so angry and i'm like Yeah. I'm just laughing inside because I'm like, this is just a game. (laughs) And this is like you're almost throwing your models like off the board when they die. I
3: didn't (laughs) play anyone that bad last year at Gen Con, but I played a couple people that were kind of like getting a little too bent out of shape for a game. Like I beat them pretty bad, but it's like a game. At the end of the day, like this one guy started packing up all his shit in the middle of the game. And I was like, so I'm I'm just going to finish this out. He's like, yeah, (laughs) fuck it. (laughs) <laughs> so I had, I had all my defenders And I just started bombing his ships And he's like what are you doing and I'm like you said finish it out Like I'm going to get points
2: you
3: know, I'm yeah. not yeah. going to stop it at 8-3 I'm going to get the 10-1 yeah. I can wait for you to catch up If you want but it's going to be the <laughs> way and he just kind of rage quit and I don't even know if he
0: I ran into a guy at kind of like that last year too Where he fucked me With his 8-3 This yeah. is Armada because he just didn't play well, and I just smashed his shit, and then he's just like, all right, I quit. I'm like, what?
3: That's an issue that needs to be addressed.
0: It needs to be addressed big time, because yeah. when somebody quits, you just get an 8-3 when I was well on the way to a ten-one, And at Gen Con last year, that would have put me in the – I would have been playing for the championship last year. So, you know, whatever. It is what it is. You can't get by it. But like we said before, there's less shitheads in Armada than there is in X-Wing, so we really got to be thankful for that, I
4: think. Yeah, we do.
0: So let's move on to the next part of this, JJ. So I want to go on to what your impressions of worlds were. Worlds impressions. So how this year? How how it was how it compared to previous years for you?
2: So it's really interesting because again I've been to, to four Armada worlds, and first year is really small in the main building. Uh, the second year is when that 2016 where we got shoved into the Radisson for the first time. Which was fucking awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty interesting. Very tight space, and we were all crammed in together. There was barely any table space. Uh, it wasn't the the best experience play space wise for sure. Uh, and then we moved how, on to how did, how did the Nerd stink
0: compare that year to this year? Because I know that year it was bad.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really get much much smell. <laughs> this year that's good
0: there was a little more air now i'm glad to hear that
2: <laughs> yeah um so then the, the 2017 worlds which was the first time it was in may we were moved back into the big building and we were all competing in one big heat instead of this two separate heats like the previous year
6: yeah uh
2: and you know, that was great we had you know a ton more space it just felt so open and awesome you know they have that awesome building back there at uh, the event center where they have you know this huge ceiling, and it just feels wide open and, and great. And this year, we were back in the Radisson. So uh, we were in the, the same room, but they had opened up another port, part of it that had been closed off the previous time we were there. So we had uh, extra space. There were still side events being run in there, but we still we had more space. And they also put these like black plastic Boards like,
3: like it was like plastic corrugated cardboard.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly oh, what it okay. was. It's like plastic corrugated cardboard that was over the tables, so it extended them, so you had room on your table edge to put your ship cards and stuff, so they weren't crammed over on the sides. So it wasn't the sturdiest because there was a little bit of give, but for the most part, I didn't have any issues. Like I don't think I dropped anything off the edge because it was unstable. No. So. We had more space, which was was huge, and made it feel a lot better, even though we were still stuck over in the Radisson. <laughs> so play space-wise, I'd still prefer to be in the main building, but it wasn't bad.
1: OK, so
0: what is your, OK, so let me ask you this. So World's Impressions, so how it's ran, the round format, things like that, do you feel like the Two, going back to two different heats this year, and only having four rounds per heat, do you think that's better, or do you think there's a round format that would be that would serve better for competition? You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. what is the best format for worlds?
2: And that that's really hard to say because part of it is I think I prefer when everyone's in one one big group. You don't have the kind of the separate days going on um which can make things a little interesting but i think the biggest thing for me is having a larger cut because that the cut to top 2 in like this year it's two heats so it's a little easier because like 2017 it was i think i think it was the what well, was cut to top 4 i guess for for everyone but it felt like that was even harder to do, um, but it, the cut is just so small that there's so much pressure in those Swiss rounds that can. It's like they, those games can be feeling like they have more pressure than if you actually make it to the 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 the, the cut, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or there could be just as much pressure. It's like I would rather there be a larger cut, not as much pressure, and then the the pressure really gets laid on when you're when you're going into the final the final cut. So, Mm -hmm. I'd prefer to see, even if they keep it split up because they have more players, like let's say you had 60 players on each day, then it's probably better to split it into two heats just because having 120 players in one giant Swiss, even if you go, you know, like six rounds or seven rounds over two days, it can get to be a lot. So, there's something to be said about splitting it up. Mm-hmm. The main thing again is just a bigger cut because that it just feels too small whenever we're cutting to a top two or a top four uh, of one day. I would rather see a top four of each day if they're due multiple days or like a top eight. Um, you could even do a top 16 that, you know, going to a top eight only adds one extra round going to a top 16 only adds uh, two right, extra rounds. Two. So it's not horrible game time wise and could just, bring in you know you have more players who have the opportunity to get into the cut and then how that interacts and you know the, i'm sure you want to go into this as well but like the the cut format itself is a whole different conversation as well
4: yeah i almost wonder if the, if the answer would be to go to a cut of like top eight or top 16 and then run another like three round swiss just because the game is different when you're playing just to win versus to try and score tournament points And then you know a fleet maybe better at one versus the other.
0: That's the thing. Armada is not Armada is not like a win or lose game. You can't have I think it's I think it's shit to have a game where it's like win or lose regardless of points. Armada is not set up to play like that to begin with.
7: Legion is though. Legion is, yes, but
0: we're not playing Legion. But um, Armada is not set up that way. I think Armada needs to go to another round of Swiss with no top four. And then you gain whoever has the most tournament points. Because what you run into, especially in these top four games, like you've seen in Worlds every single year, is that it's just like I want to. They're boring as fuck. Like the final game is unwatchable. It's unwatchable, especially when you have the same two Reichen fleets going against each other. I'd rather blow my fucking brains out than watch that. I think anybody, <laughs> yeah. anybody that like sit likes sitting and watching that is a fucking psychopath. Like, how could you possibly sit there and want to watch that? That minutiae squadron game, like it, just the placing and the, the, the occasional dice rolls. Nobody wants to see that.
2: Well, yeah, so, I think that's more an issue, though, with the, the squad game complexity than it is the fact that it's an elimination game. Like,
0: I agree, but the thing is, the squads are a huge part of this game. It's not like they're going to go
2: away. It's true. And I, I for one, I'm a, I've always been kind of a fan and a proponent of the elimination games because I enjoy the shift in, in play style and how you're playing a completely different game than you are in the Swiss. And you have to be able to adapt and you have to have a fleet that can play well in both. Um, and it also gives you that that ability to where the games aren't dependent on other people. Like like again, take this match versus me versus Yick. There's no way Based on the fleets, there is no way I'm going to win that game big. Absolutely none. True. And, but, but if you're, and playing- if, if I'm playing in an elimination Swiss round, and that just takes me out of it because the person next to me on the table plays the fleet that they can win big against, and they do win big against, you know, it's like, well, I played the best that I could and got the best win that I felt I could get in that with that matchup. And it it doesn't matter because of other people's games, you know? Yes. But if
0: you're playing three rounds of Swiss that day, if you play for the six, five, you have a possibility to recover, especially if there's only 16 or eight other guys doing it. I think, I think there's still a place for that. And I under, I trust me, I understand exactly what you're saying. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but I think my idea also works. And that, Yes, the, the the matchup is not great for you, but you can do like what we've talked about in this podcast before. When you see a bad matchup, play for the 6-5. Play to survive and go on and get the matchup that you need and smash that next guy and move on, which actually worked out for you in your four rounds of Swiss initially, right? Because you got a 5-6 and you still clawed your way back in and got the top four.
2: I did, but again, it, that final round was – so very tense because not only did I need to win big, which I was able to do, but it also depended on the table above me not winning big. And good. like, I
0: think that's good for competition in general. And Hey, you had a fucking intense, good fourth round game when some other people didn't.
2: Yeah. I mean, it can make sense in that way. I just, again, it's, I'd rather be more on my skill than, depending on outside factors but I understand where where people are coming from and you know maybe it's something that they'll give a shot at some other tournaments and see if it, it does work better because I agree there can be an issue with you know people just running and taking the six five and then that's the, the end of it you know for an elimination game right. and I think mm-hmm. the way I would always approach that is like that's a challenge like if my opponent wants to play that way, I can play in a way that keeps them from being able to do that. Or if they're like, I'm going to cut and run. And then I'm like, and I counter you get what I need to win. And now you're running away from the game that I'm now winning. So like, I have always loved that challenge and that aspect of it, but I get where that's not fun to watch.
0: And I, and I I applaud you for that. The problem is a lot of people don't think the same way you do or that we do. And they will just do that. They'll take the six, five. They just want to win. It doesn't matter to them. The showmanship, so to speak, or even the competition of the game, they're going to do whatever it takes to win, regardless of whether it's bad for the game or not.
4: Well, I don't, I mean, I don't think you got to tell the guy that he needs to do what's right for the game necessarily when you try and do something that's not going to make him win to do that. But
0: I'm not telling that, I'm not saying that you need to tell them that or even rate them for that, but you just take away the option of that.
4: Sure. I, I think the other negative to the elimination format is you know kind of speaking to where you were coming from jj and but if you run into just a hard counter fleet i mean obviously you want to try and build your fleet so you don't have any super hard counters but sometimes you have you know a concept and you guys run into a thing that is really good against the thing you have and it's difficult to win whereas you know if you have a three-round tournament you only have to play that guy once
2: yeah that's true so, you know, there there could be more to it than I'm thinking. I would, for one, would love to find a way to for them to, like, hybridize it where you could have an elimination game, but you're still incentivized to win. I'm not sure how that would look because I haven't given it enough thought or, like, tried to, you know, formulate a way for that to work. But a way to allow, like, it, the win is what matters, but there's still an incentive to not just, you know, run, basically. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is just not good for anybody. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the players. I'm I just, I'm very strongly against that whole concept.
4: Sure. I mean, it, there's no question that the elimination rounds make for less exciting games to watch. I mean, there's no question there.
0: So. All right. Well, we've beaten this horse to fucking death and yep. put a ball yeah. through its head. And then uh, I think we even did weird shit to its corpse afterwards. So, well, even, i mean, uh, turn, turning it into glue. Uh, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. All right, so we are going to move on now from Lando's Lounge. Uh, JJ, that was a great uh, interview. I think. I mean, I did a pretty awesome job of interviewing you, if I would say so myself. That was
2: uh, yeah. way better than Brendan ever did.
4: <laughs> wow. Well,
2: well, I mean, you got to run for your money because uh, he just he just interviewed me yesterday for another episode. So. God damn it, Brendan. <laughs> I'm making a circuit.
0: <laughs> this is all on guests. Anybody that doesn't know, Brendan's a buddy of mine. I'm just I'm just fucking off right now. It's, it's not real hate. Brendan's a really good dude. So, Okay, so we're going to move on to our next segment here, which is Odonna's Schoolhouse, and JJ's going to stick around for this, and this is going to be real interesting. And we're going to talk about squadronless fleets. So let's move on to Odonna's Schoolhouse.
6: You're required to maneuver straight down this trench and skim the surface to this point. It's a small thermal exhaust port right below the main port. A small one-man fighter should be able to penetrate Princess Lear. All right, welcome into the
0: schoolhouse. We're here with the regular crew and Josiah Meyer. And we are going to talk about squadronless fleets now this was an email uh listener email that we received and he asked us essentially are squadronless fleets viable could they ever win a big tournament can they do anything period really i mean and i know in the past there has been semi I, i think there's been a couple regionals it's hard to track but i think there's been a couple regionals that did win squadronless but I think it's been a while. I, I mean, I'm not too up to date on this, um, but for the most part, to me, it's like the white whale of Armada. I feel like people have chased this since Wave One, when uh, Q came out with his, um, oh, what was it? it? Was called the Gen Con Special and it had no squats, and everybody's like, oh, nobody's gonna beat this. And then at Worlds, uh, I can't remember his name.
4: He's Jonathan Rainig. Yes. Yeah, John Reiner. Yeah, that's
0: it. He beat the Gen Con special with like a swarm of A-wings and shit, and they're like, oh, damn. Squads can do things. And then since then, squadronless fleets have taken a way fucking backseat. Like, you don't really see them much anymore in any
4: serious competitive scene. When rebel-heavy squadron fleets have won worlds every single time.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's clear. Well, that's worlds. But I'm I'm also reaching out to, like, regionals. I'm talking about... Nationals, European nationals, Australian nationals. I, I'm talking about major tournaments, not just worlds. I think we got to include everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not going to minimize winning a national somewhere. I think that's major. No. Now, has a squadronless fleet ever won a national? I don't think so. I think I, it's maybe. won a couple regionals. J- uh, Josiah, are you aware of one where it did?
2: Um, well, so first of all, if we're. I'd like to just like clarify. So when, we, when we're saying squadronless, we're, we're saying absolutely zero. Because, yep. Sometimes yeah, I, I right. sometimes I lump in like the the thirty or below. I almost consider those squadronless fleets because they're right along that line of there's so few they almost don't count. You know.
0: Sure, but they're they're placeholders, and they I mean even two TIE fighters can do something just enough if you play it
2: right, where it makes a difference in the game. So we're we're discounting those. We're just we're talking complete. We're no.
0: talking straight ships, baby. Absolute no spots. zero. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Absolute zero.
4: <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's any question that you can be viable with like a Shara Shara Tyco or you know a Sienna Valen or something simple like that.
0: And I think those have done well, actually. Yeah. Like those things can do things, especially in the MSU fleets. Like uh, my buddy Craig last year at Worlds, he placed fifth with just I think he just had Tyco. But he was in an MS like a extreme extreme MSU fleet that had like
4: well, he had seven, seven
0: activations or some shit when you could yeah. have like five yeah. fucking you know uh, flotillas and stuff like that. So he used the activation game to get himself there. But we're in a new world now where you know fuck <laughs> we are. Was, you can only have two now, so you can't you can't pull that same shit anymore. Um, so what we're trying to explore here in this episode. Is whether completely squadronless fleets can be successful at a high level. And when I say high level, I say regional and above, because I I know for sure that squadronless fleets have won in like store championships and shit before. But that's oh yeah yeah that's all across the country. That's like random experiences. Like we couldn't even track all that. But the regional above we can track. And I haven't tracked it because I didn't do my homework, but
5: I'm
2: pretty <laughs> sure there hasn't been too many that have ever won. We've done it. So. Are, are, are we doing this again? Are we, are, we, are we list building for me post-Worlds again? <laughs> because I, I remember a certain conversation in uh, 2016 where, you know, after, after the Worlds game I was flying high, and I'm like, I got a regional next weekend. You know, what should I do? And people were like, I don't know. I was like, I got this crazy idea with cluster bomb assault frigates. no squads, <laughs> and, and then I had two people being like, I'm like, but I don't have enough cluster bombs. And uh, two people, <clears throat> one of them being <clears throat> Bill, uh, was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a cluster bomb <laughs> if you use that fleet. In the regional. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, baby, how did you do, JJ, did you win? I, I got fourth. You know, but I played I'm all. First, I played. Man. I played all <laughs> like Riken. Really?
0: Reichen... I gave you my fucking cluster bombs in good faith, and
2: you failed me. Hey, I was playing like Riken squad fleets. And I was still, still like
1: it. cluster Anyway,
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I have two copies of cluster bombs now. Thank you guys. Uh... <laughs> and uh, you know what? I never want them back. I will be yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: but uh, I, I, the point I'm getting at here is uh, I'm thinking you know, maybe. Maybe next regional, on maybe maybe squadless is what I should give it a try. So we locally, the
0: four of us, has been have been running. So since we got this email about how long ago was that, Dane?
7: Um,
4: I don't know, probably two, three weeks ago.
0: So ever since we got the email, I'm like, well, fuck! I gotta start, I got start doing homework. I gotta start researching, and I've done nothing but run squadron, squadronless fleet since now. T- granted, it's been local, but we have a pretty robust scene here in Detroit, like. It's been exploding. We have a lot of players here now.
4: Yeah. And surprisingly, we have a lot of new players in the last I think our dead. six months. <laughs> yeah.
1: We'll get
0: to that later.
4: <laughs>
0: Just because you live in a fucking frozen tundra where nobody is, JJ, does not mean it's dead everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but so we've been playing a lot here and we, we've had a lot of guys and, and we have thoughts on this, of course. Um, we have a different I, I have a cup I have a fleet archetype for rebels and imperials that I think could do things, but the real question is, could it ever do well at a major tournament? And the answer is I don't know. And I don't think anybody really actually knows. Josiah, what's your thought on that?
2: I think that the answer is a strong maybe. Because we are seeing a shift where the game back in its infancy was you know all about the ships. The squads hadn't quite been figured out. There wasn't as much synergy. When we got into wave, you know three, four, five, and just the the synergy started building, and we had this had this dominance of squads that has really grown and been overarching for quite a while. And then we have this FAQ hit. Okay. And I think the FAQ is really what is going to breathe the life into the squadronless fleet because you now have the ability to for most of the time table a squadron heavy fleet
0: you're absolutely right and, and i think that's the key to it
2: hmm. yeah yep and so i definitely think it's viable i mean i've I've been talking to even just q lately and he he's always been a fan of the, the squadron list. i think he won uh, a national with with the, the yt 2400s um but i think that was one of the few times he's Used heavy squads because he's mainly focused on on the squadron, those fleets. So, and... so let me
0: let me stop you there real quick. So not to shit on Q, but I went to that quote unquote national, which was at Origins in Ohio, and there was like eighteen of us. <laughs> it was an eighteen person U.S. national, and not not to take anything away from Q, he is a high level player, but like,
4: but like was it was the saddest, half the size of our region. That
0: was the saddest U.S. national I think I've ever seen. Yeah. It was pretty bad. And they had us play on like a Wednesday. So there was like Eight. nobody there. It was, it was fucking,
2: it was sad. Well, I heard rumors about Gen Con, which is North American Championships, being similar this year where there's only like 20, 20 something slots or something they for have players. 40. Only, they only have 40. Oh, they changed it.
0: It okay.
3: sold out day one.
2: No, they yeah. they, they started with 40 because we're going. We actually all
0: got tickets. We're all, are you going? Sadly, no. That's no. We, we got a party house. We got room. <laughs> You want to just come down and hang out and you
2: could like smuggle me into the tournament somehow you just be like oh yeah th- and this guy's playing my game for me <clears throat> yeah, you might
1: have
0: to <laughs> I'll throw a beard on you put about 40 pounds on you get, get you a couple inches in height and you'll, fucking, you'll be me. <laughs> like, yeah this is bill he wants to play round four here <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, all right. So I digress. Please continue if you can possibly remember what your thought process was. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I, I think there's there's a strong trend where as we're moving forward, the the squadronless fleets are going to have a chance again. Again, the main issue they struggle with when playing in squad heavy is most of the time you're going to lose something, and you can't usually afford that trade unless you table them if you're going to win big. So your your options are you try to table them and be willing to trade something to to go up, or you have to play denial in the mad matchups and you have to not feed yourself into the meat grinder. um, Because we see that happen time and time again, where people just, you know, feed things in. And part of that is because of the way the Swiss plays, you have to win big. And so people will try to make up for a game going poorly by throwing more things in and it just kind of snowball. So, you just have to not do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's something yeah. we've preached on here for a while now. And 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 the thing is, though, one thing I will say about your statement is, I think you're a little wrong in that you can have a bad round as long as there's four rounds. If there's three rounds, yeah, it is really fucking hard well, to get from a bad win. But bad
2: but bad rounds meaning like. A five or maybe a four. Like if you if you're getting a one, a two or a three, you're kind of just done.
0: Yeah, yes. You can't take a one. That's why that's when we preach on this thing. If you see a bad thing against you, play for the five six or the six five. That's what we always say. And you know, I try to keep that mantra in my head too. And sometimes I I get the acid man. You know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go after it.
3: Sometimes you turn your MC seventy five in.
0: Yeah, sometimes <laughs> you put an 75
2: right. in.
3: It just happens.
0: It happens sometimes, right, Josiah? Mm, yeah.
2: <laughs> Maybe. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so,
0: yes, absolutely. But as long as there's four rounds, you can have a bad round. And when I say bad round, I do mean a six five, five, six. Even a four you can recover from, I I believe. I mean, it just depends on what the rest of the field's doing, but you can't, you know, you you can only play the person you play, and you can only do the best you can with what yeah. you got. I mean, that's really – that's really sometimes
3: weird. there are, like, those weird tournaments where no one's scoring big.
0: Yeah, and you see them. So, so yeah.
3: like, you, you get wrecked, but, like, it doesn't really matter because everybody that won only won 7-4.
0: Yeah, everybody else is wrecking too, yeah. So to, to move on with this, we're going to try to give you guys ideas of squadron list lists, counters to the lists, which there's a ton. Just squadron. counters, yeah. And Just squadrons, Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> And opinions on those different lists. So I've ran a few times now. I've ran an Imperial, and I've ran a Rebel. And I can't decide which is better. I, I, I feel like the secret sauce lies in one of your flotillas has to have slicer tools, if not to have two flotillas with slicer tools. Yeah. And to be able to table them, which Josiah already said. And I think that's a, a huge part of it because you are going to lose something. And if you don't, you're just lucky and the dice were shitty in the, against them and lucky in your favor. I, I think that's the only way you get out of it. So to give you an example of a squad list that I ran that was rebel. So I traded, well, I, I added some defense but to give myself offense, I brought, I brought Atbar Cause you gotta get offense from somewhere, right? So it's a salt frigate Mark B. With EWS, Intel Officer, Quad Laser Turrets, XI-7, and Kaken and Sholin. We've talked about this in the show before, and I've ran this thing a few times. Yeah. This motherfucker hits hard, and it's very good, and it's and it's only 103 points.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you can lose it, but the thing is, when you lose it, you're only going to get a nine. It's, it's just over that threshold. You're not going to get to 10-1, but honestly, don't be fucking greedy. If you're getting nines, you're going to be fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So this is my sacrifice ship. I put this fucker out there and I blast away at their main target as much as I can before it goes down while the rest of the fleet provides support. And the rest of the fleet is a CR-90A with Intel officer again, because I really want to get rid of your fucking brace as soon as I can, or make you just take the damage. with TRCs and Jana's light. And then there's two medium transports, one with slicer tools, one quantum storm, and I think if you're running Slicer tools on a GR-75 with the reps, you got to add Quantum Storm. It's one fucking point, and it gives you a much larger threat range. Because you can start at speed one with a token, and you're all, all of a sudden you're going speed four. And you jump right across the board, and you can Slicer that guy. The other, the other GR-75 is Commsnet, Bright Hope, and Torn Far. Now, as I go into the 75, Torrent Far there is for your re-rolls with your quad laser turrets, because I think quad laser turrets are complete shit without rerolls. Because I know it's supposed to be 50% chance to roll a hit <laughs> a <blue> eye, But <laughs> 90% of the time It's going to be a fucking Not a hit the first time So you're yeah. going to want that re-roll yep. So fire is completely there Just for the quad laser turrets Because it's backed up by an MC-75 Now I think for the Rebels To have a squadronless fleet The MC-75 is the key big ship To do it with And it's because of this loadout it's got Akbar on it. It's got EWS. It's got leading shots. It's got quad laser turrets, Bale organa, ordnance pods, quad battery turrets, and gunner teams. Now, what that does, that thing is a flak
7: boat from hell. And yes. Matt, Matt saw that. I I did play that poorly, a ship with that flag. Oh, my God. It's Between... crazy.
3: Dane did that to me, too, at a... Uh...
7: Yeah uh, some tournament we defender. did. Yeah.
3: In one round he took all of my defenders down to half
7: health. Yep. I had tied bombers. I went in, bombed bombed in the side because he had his EWS like on the front, or whichever one didn't have the EWS, I bombed that the other side. He countered back and then he flaked and then he ordnance pods. And like I was pulling bombers. After one round. Yeah. And this is the MC-75 <laughs>
0: Armored Cruiser, so it shoots a blue-black anti-squad, yeah. which is better than just their Ordnance, which is just the black.
4: And you oh. can, you got and far to re-roll that blue, too. So. Yeah,
0: torn far to re-roll the blue, and then even if somehow I'm still left with two blanks, I could spend that blue to re-roll that black with leading shots to, to try to get at least one damage. As long as you're getting at least one damage every single time, you're going to burn down most squads pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing about it. And that's all the ships. It's just five ships. Bail is there completely as an insurance policy against uh, fleets with a heavy hitter that can get in there before I can out-activate them and go first and just fuck up their whole plan. It's, it's a hard counter to price. Yeah. And so that's that's a Rebel fleet that I've been flying for a little while now. I flew it a little bit before this, but I had like Tycho Shara, but I took them out, obviously. And I've had decent success with it. And I think a big part of it too, you have to practice a lot with a squadronless fleet. You have to practice the fuck out of it, man. Like, it takes a certain skill level to get away from running no squads. It really does. So, I don't know. That is my idea of a rebel list. What are your guys' thoughts on it?
3: Dude, I haven't played since Worlds, so don't ask me.
0: Hi right, Brian, go ahead and grab uh, some beers right now. Yeah. No, if you want to be our fucking waitress for this for this segment,
3: that'd be great. I love my fanny pack at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny because we're at my house. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah
2: no, I, I mean, know, I think what's that's... your
0: Thoughts on that, Josiah?
2: I I think it definitely has promise, and like you say, it's going to be tricky to to pull off because I, I've done something similar again. It's it's really funny. We're going back to that regional after 2016 Worlds where the fleet I did was three Akbar Assault Frigate A's, so with the two blue flak. They had the quad laser turrets. Uh, I had torn far on a transport, so I I had two GR-75 transports, and they all had cluster bombs. So they were gunnery teams, so they were just gonna Akbar shoot the ships and then flak the squads. And I played like max squad fleets every game, and I killed usually half their squads, um, sometimes they'd get them down to one and they were able to you know pull away before I could actually finish them off. The problem I found is just the way that I had that fleet set up is I would usually lose at least one of my ships and I had a hard time to winning big enough to win the tournament because I think I won all my games. I just didn't win quite big enough with with how I played it because again, it, it takes a lot of skill and you really need to to have it. Honed on how you're going to play. But I agree, Torn Far rerolling on the quad laser turrets is fantastic, especially against your Varus. You get two shots back at your Varus squads, and mm. you can do great things with that. And then the Ordnance Pods, haven't seen it a whole lot yet. It's a card that I know it sucks to give up that Ordnance Spot when you want just damage against ships, but it can be such a tool. If you're going for a kill their squads approach with your squadronless fleet, Ordnance Pods is fantastic.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. I I found that thing does a ton of fucking work. And the thing is, you're talking about your fleet. Like that was before EWS. Yes. How do you think it would have fared with EWS?
2: Um, I mean, EWS can be nice. It, it'll it'll help you out somewhat, especially against again Yavars taps. They're they're going to have issues because they they can't move but for a lot of other times they can usually move around your zone depending on the ship you have you know like a an MC80 home one is harder to to avoid but like an ISD you can you can usually get to the sides Um, but forcing them to move can force them into your other overlapping flak zones. And that's kind of the the key benefit I see from EWS. Yes, they can move, but if you can force them towards your other ship, so like away from the the front of your ship that is leading, you can get more shots on them than they expect. And if if someone isn't playing really carefully, you can murder squads with flak.
0: Absolutely. And the thing is with EWS too, it can cover up so... What you do is you put EWS in one zone and force them to hit one zone where you have a lot of shields and let them burn them down. And then the next round you move the EWS to that zone, and then they got to go after the other zone that's completely untouched.
2: And again, that it's helpful, but it's obviously it's not foolproof because the the more squads they have with they're running that you know B wing bomber ball, they're just going to overload overload you. Like you can lose you know an ISD or an MC seventy five in one turn if they have the perfect sure. Yavaris tap setup right Um, so so don't let them do that yeah and that that's where again it comes down to that skill and it's very hard to to fly yeah i
0: completely agree with that and the thing is too i think a big thing for ews fleets especially if like your main ships have ews is you want to go second and make them pick solar corona a lot of people don't like solar corona it doesn't get you a lot of points but if you're looking to bang anyways solar corona is great for ews you just got to make your red and yellow so anus they don't pick it and they'll pick that blue solar corona every time and then you won't need your ecms hopefully
1: yeah hopefully. <laughs> yeah.
0: so i think that's the big key to yeah. that with that rebel fleet too i found it goes it does best going second as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: to make them choose that solar corona because the two what do I have on here? I have Most Wanted Hyperspace Assault. They might choose Hyperspace Assault, but if they do, <clears throat> that Assault frigate Mark II is going to get it right where it wants to go, and I'm going to hammer the fuck out of your flanks if you let me do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea with that. Matt, What, what you've been running Squadronless Fleets for a, longer than – you've taken it to a couple tournaments. So
7: Yeah, I was uh, – ever since the uh, Wave 7 came out, I've been – I've been messing with the uh, double uh, double Star Destroyers. I was trying to double Psy Moon, and as enticing as that is, you need a little survivability, so I, I have a Psymoon and an ISD2. Uh, let's see. So let's see. The 2 is loaded out. I got Vader as the commander, EWS. Uh, let's see. What is it? The Heavy Ion Emplacements, XI-7s, Gunnery Teams, Psymoon's got... If intensify firepower, uh, intel officer, devastator title, gunnery teams with H nine turbo lasers and quad turbo laser cannons, and then I've got a lone flotilla with a coms nut and hondo. And this this one really wants to go first. So what's your bet on it? Do you have a bet? Yeah, I have a. Uh... Let's see this current loadout I've got. I have a 16-point bid.
0: Which is probably good for most local Which tournaments. Is, or Yeah. Know.
7: Around here, I'm getting it most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Nobody really bids crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, except for Evan in our last little uh, quarterly kit. He had like a 25-point bid and went first and <clears throat> I was chasing him the whole game. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But against uh, – the thing you want to do with this, I feel, is you just want to get in a position right. You can weather a couple shots from the bombers, and then you just want to just bust through it and bum rush the carriers before the bombers have a chance to just chew you down. Yeah. Sure. And we're going back to that whole thing
0: where if you're running squadronless, you're you're most of the time you're trying to play for a
4: tabling. Yeah. 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 You have to. Um yeah, I had kind of a, another kind of idea here, and I, I haven't actually successfully used it yet, but I think it theoretically could work. Well, that uh-huh. works 100% of the time. Right, exactly. So
0: Theoretically, yeah. it works 100% of the time. Dane's already won worlds.
4: Exactly. So here's 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 how it's with a Raider 1 with Tua uh, and early warning it's system.
2: Really? Stealing my thunder. I was kidding. And that.
4: instigator. <laughs> So with instigator, you can stop that problem of them being able to just move and hit you in another hull zone. So it, they have to stay there because they're engaged. Um, now I played this fleet once and I flew the Raider just like really poorly and it blew up right away. So I didn't get to really test it. But, uh, and then the rest of it is two Star Destroyers, a Simon and a Kuat kind of standard with Price and Vader and, uh, but and I and that part of it I think needs to be reworked with this fleet because I think Bill is right that you need slicer tools too, um, and I think that would really help this fleet. But uh, I, I think that's a, that's a ship that I think could possibly be really big, especially those you know those big squadron fleets. They like to you know ball up into a into a tight ball. You can get that raider in there and be still out of range of their ships, or at least out of medium range. Um, I, I think you could do some work. I've got Flachette tor- torpedoes and ordnance experts on it too. Yep. So hopefully that Raider can give me two rounds to hold down a large majority of their fighters before it indefinitely dies. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's, it's only 64 points. So, right. Exactly. Know, it's, <laughs> it, it, and that's kind of the, the second school of thought of instead of going for killing their squads with flak, you're just going to try to hold their squads up. and 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 trade
4: right and uh yeah i mean that's that's that option is that so that's kind of that kind of acts the same way you would normally use like a couple tie fighters um and you know if they if they don't bring squads raiders can still do some work against ships if they need to sometimes yeah if you can (laughs) fly it right which i can't (laughs)
2: So I can I can throw a fleet out there that I uh, totally didn't build while we've been talking about this. <laughs> so again, this is totally going to win you every game you play. Uh, <laughs> Josiah Imaginarium. Let's see. What <laughs> he to here. So I'm gonna start off by saying I think the Imperials have better tools to go squadronless um, than the Rebels. The Rebels have Fire, which is going to help the flak, and the Imperials don't have something quite like that but they do have a few extra options otherwise uh, also for the rebels that we didn't mention but a draven again a new card we haven't seen much um but like on a, a gr75 or something with blue dye flak he can be useful against the, the sloan fleets here you know, he's not going to be as strong against your kind of regular rebel bomber builds but uh, against sloan fleets he can he can do damage there
1: and i've i've ran that before
0: i've ran um uh, when he first came out, I ran a GR75 with Draven on it, and he does a lot of work. I, I would love him to. I would love to fit him in the fleet I talked about. It just the, the points weren't there. Yeah. But well, yeah, you're, you're right. right. <laughs> Draven can do serious work.
4: Yeah, especially if you use him in conjunction with quad battery turrets or whichever the ones that counter, um, and ordnance pods. But you'll be able to add that die on all of those
2: attacks. Yep. yep.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: So uh, anyway, this this fleet that I, I drew up, again, it, it could probably use some playing and some, some different tweaking. But it has a, an ISD kuat with strategic advisor, ordnance experts, quad laser turrets, early warning system, ordnance pods, and leading shots. So you have a ton of rerolls uh, for your, your regular main battery with the leading shots, ordnance experts. And you can also be rerolling your uh, ordnance pod shots and your, your regular flak. Then it also has a Raider 1 that we just talked about with the the TUA Early Warning System Ordnance Experts Flechette Instigator, so you can help reduce some of the damage you're taking by at least picking off some of their squads, if possible. A Gladiator 2 with Demolisher, Agent Callus, Ordnance Experts, and External Racks. So again, this is a ship that's going to be able to do damage against their ships because it's Demolisher, and Demolisher can always do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, External Racks can be used against squads if you really need to kill that key ace, (coughs) Merrick. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you have Callus on there with the two blue die Flak. So while the two blue die Flak isn't going to be great, it's still going to be decent. And with callus, you can get extra shots off uh, with the black die on aces. Which we see a lot of aces, mm-hmm. and then it also has a Arketan's light cruiser with Jeddard and Brunson for a little bit of survivability, and Jeddard nice. to help all your ships move, and then a Kazanti with slicer tools. So that is 397, and it's a six-activation squadronless fleet. So, just an idea. I really like that idea. That's a
0: really fucking good idea, JJ. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he just built that right now. We've been working on this for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dreaming, you fucking savant.
2: <laughs> uh, His idea is <laughs> way better than any of ours. <laughs> well, I, I haven't, haven't, have played with it, and just to give you some ideas, because I might not get a chance to play with it for a bit. If anyone wants to be doing some, some tweaking, different thoughts I had, uh, you could lose the activation of Strategic Advisor to put Callus on the Kuat to get extra, you know, die for those Ordnance pods, quad laser turret shots. If you think you might need it. Uh, and you could also shift around the points a bit to maybe not have an Architens if you'd rather have like a, a VSD with your drone on it or something. Different options, all sorts of fun things you could do.
1: Mm-hmm. I think those
0: are all really good ideas. And um, thanks a lot, JJ. You fucking <laughs> asshole. <I'm thinking>. Yeah. <laughs> all our ideas are shit now.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, we and it went for a, a reason. This, this wasn't our
1: fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I mean,
2: I was kind of like listening to you guys to throw out all the ideas, so maybe I'm just copying you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? Actually, yeah, that's the correct answer. You're right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So, okay. So let's let's move on real quick. I mean, this part is gonna be real easy. The counters to squadronless fleets.
5: So squadron. Squadron. <laughs>
0: I mean, squadrons. it's very yeah. really simple. I mean, there's really no the, the the battle, the uphill battle you're fighting is somehow to fight through the squadrons or even weather the storm to get to their to their main ships and destroy them before you yourself are fucking destroyed.
3: Mm-hmm. The only other thing I would say is if you go too like anti-squad focused, would just be an anti-ship MSU. With
4: yeah. Yep. An MSU could definitely be a problem for for a squad like a squadronless feet built out the squad too
3: specialized for the anti squad. I
2: yeah. actually think that's more of an issue than it is the heavy squad fleets because I've seen the damage that the the anti squad ship loadouts can put out, and they can they can tear through squad fleets. The problem is they suffer against the ship builds. Yep. So
1: it's that's better. I think the
2: real question on what can be viable is finding that balance to where you can do both. Yeah.
0: And uh, I mean honestly we don't we don't know we don't know the answer guys. Like these are all hypothetical ideas like and we've only been messing with these fleets for a while but I I will give you this promise. I'm gonna run squadronless up until Gen Con if I don't run squadronless at Gen Con. I'm gonna continue I'm gonna continue as I drink beers and my fucking speech starts to slur, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna continue to hammer at this door. I'm gonna try to knock down. I I don't you know, know if I'll ever do it, but I'll knock down the fucking wall that is. Can a squadronless fleet
7: do well? To we'll be get determined. we'll get wave out this fall, and then we'll provide the linchpin Yeah, you just want to super, push them to push them over the edge. Yeah, you just run the superstar star destroyer, and you're fine. Yeah. yeah. You
0: just the just other problem
4: out. I think with the squadronless fleets is. There's not a lot of good objectives for them.
0: Not super great. I think I think that's a part of the secret sauce too, is to want to go second and make your make your objectives so awful that they have to pick Solar Corona. And I and I know I hate I even hate saying it. I don't like running Solar Corona. Yeah. It doesn't generate points in a tournament setting,
7: and it's not a fun objective to play outside of tournament setting. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just
0: it's just not fun to play yeah. Too, yeah. But you have to go in wanting to bang. You've got to bang mm-hmm. if you're solar Corona. And I think that'll help you. That'll almost push you towards trying to table them because that's what you need. Right? So you're almost like making yourself do it. And then yeah. if they give you first grade, then I'll go first. That's cool.
4: The problem is what yellow are you using? Like that's the one I'm really struggling with, with. I mean, maybe Contested Outpost.
2: Yeah, but it's Contested Outpost. It's got to be, but... It's Contested Outpost is, like, amazing.
0: Contested Outpost is there, but the problem is, is when... If, if the double ISD thing f- takes off, and you don't have Bail Organa, or if you're Imperial, and they got price, and they go up, and they one-shot your fucking ISD, or you're 75 or 80, you're in a serious boatload of hurt.
7: Right. Which is
0: a new reality now.
7: Well That's that's where that practice aspect comes in, though, too.
0: Absolutely, but the problem is the station is where it is. You, they know where you're going to be, so there's always places you can go. Sure. And you have to put something on that station every turn to contest it, or, or you could play KG and, and have it for three turns and then run and just be like, okay, they get it for the other three, and then you're just really playing for a 6-5.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean, unless your fleet has, like, the two Star Destroyers in it, too. Like, I mean, this one I'm trying to use here does. I can sit on those, you know, with Star Destroyers, too.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, there's there's people who have been doing squadronless and, and Squadron-like for, for a while. I know, like, uh, you know, Paul or PT on the forums, he's, he's been doing this for a long time with double ISD fleets. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, he, he had Caribbean Ninja playing at Worlds with one of his fleets. That was Squadronless, and I, I think Ninja did fairly well. I'm forgetting exactly where he placed, um, but he, he was playing Squadronless at Worlds, so it's I think it's on the rise.
0: I I think it is, and I, I think there is a place, and I I do believe it can it can do it can do something. It can win. We're talking about winning. We're yeah, placing high is good too, but we're talking about winning a major tournament here, and mm-hmm. I think it can win a major tournament. But but I I also think it. It needs to be in the hands of a, a really good player. It, it, it's definitely not the sort of fleet. So like the guy that emailed us about it, to be honest, I think for a squadronless fleet to do well it needs to be in the hands of a very skilled player.
4: Yeah, but you could also make the argument that to win a major tournament, you already need to be a really skilled player anyway.
0: <laughs> um I I would say I would say yes, you have to be skilled, but you don't have to be as skilled. What my point is. You don't, you have to be a very high level player to win a major tournament with squadronless fleets. But I think you could just be a good player and win a major tournament with squad heavy or squad balanced fleets.
4: Yeah. Or even light squad fleets, I think you can get away with for sure.
0: Yes. So the challenge is JJ, you need to run squadronless now from now on and go on and win the next big thing. It's on your shoulders, buddy, and I'll, I'm. I'm gonna take the mantle to you. I'll try to do it. I'm not as good as you, but I. Eh, I can do. I can do pretty good every once in a while. So we'll see how our, it goes. It's on us. Challenge accepted. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. Um. Is there anything else to go over with? The I don't know. I don't fields? have any
0: other thoughts on it, really. I mean, yeah. Like I said, it's a bit of a white whale. It's a bit of. It's a little bit of uncharted territory, I think. I, and I, there's no clear answers here. I could
2: go, so go so many places
1: with that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that? Nothing. <clears throat> Whatever
3: happened to phrasing? <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's okay on this show. You can go those places. It's fine. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> don't give a fuck. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he has a reputation to think about, Dan.
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ours is already tarnished. He's already risking
3: it enough being on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josiah will be fine.
4: So, all right, well, that's it.
1: Does anybody have
0: any other thoughts or anything they want to add to this? Uh, Josiah, do you have anything else?
2: Not that off the top of my head. I'm sure I'll think of something later and be like, ah, oh, I missed it.
0: Yeah, we always do that after. Actually, yeah. I literally at the end of every podcast, I'm like, fuck, I should have said this or that, but whatever. Yeah. Brian, you've had no thoughts up to this point. So, so
3: what, what kind of list do you guys think will be good for squadronless fleets?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I went
3: in the other room to pee. What, what are we talking about? Are we, are we done with this?
0: <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Matt, anything else?
2: I see the fleet you really need to. to- go completely squadronless is all Quasars.
3: All Quasars.
2: That's probably it. That was it, right?
3: Quasar 2s, right? Yeah. Yes.
1: Twos.
3: So you get that right. With
2: Ruthless Strategists for yeah. your squadronless <laughs> suite. fleet. <laughs> right off your own Quasars. Cool. <laughs> cool.
3: And Sloan. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Always Sloan.
0: Okay, done. We, we, we cracked the code. You guys are welcome. All right. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so that was uh, Dodonna's schoolhouse. And, uh, hey, we want to thank Josiah very much for hanging out with us for these two um, – segments, Lando's Lounge, Lando's Lounge, and Dose Schoolhouse. I know Lando's schoolhouse forty five I'm actually not even that drunk. I behind the scenes I had a fucking vasectomy yesterday. So I'm I'm in a bit of a weird way today as it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all sorts of weird spots over here. So hey man, thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate it, bud.
4: Thank yeah, you for definitely. Me. Thank yeah, you. Really, yeah really appreciate it man.
0: All right, you take it easy, and um, hey, you're not still living out of the back of your fucking car, are you? Did you buy a house?
2: Or... <laughs> oh, I was never living out of my car. Just because I keep a sleeping bag in my car doesn't mean I live there. We're at Worlds 2016, and we're like
0: going out to go to the bar, and we're walking out of the place, and we go to Josiah's car because he's going to drive us over like a nice guy. But, if, of course, I make a pay for it for being nice, so I just hammered him up for what I see. And like, like, it looks like he's living out of the fucking car. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man, you, you fucking living out of the big car? Like, I thought you were going to school. Like, what's going on here? And uh, poor guy. <laughs> but, okay. hey, I'm glad you found a place to live in. You're not a transient anymore. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> all right, all right. We're going to move Thank on you. to the next segment. We're going to wrap this episode up. But, hey, thanks a lot, Josiah. We really appreciate that.
2: Oh, dear God, what the heck is a rim job? Oh, why, that's when you put your legs behind your head and have someone lick your ass. I can
1: taste it. In my mouth it's just so bittersweet.
5: It's right.
0: All right, welcome into uh, How My Rim Tastes. And here we're going to go over Brian's world's trip. And then we're going to talk about a tourney, a different uh, tourney format that we came up with that works uh, pretty good. So. We're going to turn it over to Brian. Brian's going to run this thing. Uh, Tell us about Worlds and your experience, Brian.
3: So, yeah. uh, First thing, I probably should have done this a minute ago. I'm just pulling up my Worlds list so you guys know exactly what happened. Um, But Worlds was awesome. Um, It was pretty much, it was just all Armada all the time. Um, I did a little bit of Destiny with some Armada guys, but it was just really cool, you know, hanging out with people uh, from literally all over the world. Like we went to the bar with, some people from Australia and uh, the German national champ and it was, it was just fucking cool. It was, it was a crazy experience for, for like a little, like a niche, you know, community just to hang out. Um, so for worlds, what, what I took was I took, um, like a defender Sloan list. So I had uh Jenden, three generic tie defenders, Merrick Steele and, uh, darth vader for my squads and then i had a quasar one with boosted comms expanded hangar bay sloan pursuant and taskmaster grint um what he does is you put like a token on him and every time you do a command that matches that token you get the token for free so effectively what i was doing was getting six squadron activations every
4: round yeah he's like a chin nuts version of ramus
3: yes (laughs) very very well put uh and then i had a kuat refit isd with um concussion missiles ecms fire control team leading shots and price and the fire control team was just on there so i could do acm and a standard crit uh ability which I, i did twice it it worked it's not for two points i mean fuck it why not um, and then I had two Gazanis, one with Hondo and one with Commsnet. So uh, round one, I played uh, this guy named Nick, Nick Post. He had a double MC-75 uh, Dadana APT list with seven A-wings. Uh, I went first and I picked his superior positions, and it was a really fucking interesting game. He had his MC-75s had like that. Moncal Exodus Cruiser title.
4: Right, where you can uh, exhaust it to yeah, reduce my, the damage.
3: Uh, my computer screen went off. I just wanted to make sure I didn't lose you. Oh, no, we're good. Anyways, so yeah, basically just like super um engineering. So what ended up oh, yeah. happening. That's,
4: that's like, the, that card gives you like an extra two engineering points when you use an engineering command, right?
3: It's absolutely insane. And, okay, it, yeah, that's really good. Him. It helped him a lot too. Um, So, yeah, I picked his superior positions. What ended up happening was I, you know, we're flying at each other. I double-arced him with my Kuat on one of his MC-75s, and I locked him onto an asteroid. So he was hitting the asteroid, taking the face up, and ramming. So he was taking two damage for, like, the couple turns that we were engaged. Nice. And I had him (laughs) double-arced. (laughs) with acms and i uh i had some shit rolls and he just engineered the fuck out of his mc75 and it took me i think three rounds to kill it way longer than it should have i completely whiffed out of my side um what is it two black or red and a blue out of the side yes uh, yeah no all blanks didn't hit (laughs) anything um (laughs) <laughs> Even with like re rolls, it was it was bad.
1: That's a nice game. That's yeah. Brutal.
3: Um. So, what ended up happening was we both killed two hundred and four points.
4: Um, tie.
3: Yes. <laughs> and he had like a single A wing left, and we were starting to clean up the table, and it was superior positions, and like the A wing was at the rear hole zone of like one of my Gazanis, I think it was. So we're just chatting and we're, you know, we're just being friendly. And I was like, just roll for it and see if you get it or whatever. And of course he, he rolls the hit. So he got the superior position point. So he, uh, he had two nineteen to my two Oh four, but we both killed 204 points. So like for a first game at worlds, like whatever, you can't do much better than that. We split the prize tickets. Um, he was a, a real chill dude, real fun to play against. It was a great game. Um, Nothing nothing bad to say or really complain about there round two, I played James Hobbs. he had um a kuat Simon list with Mahdi, and he had five hounds teeth and Gar Saxon. so I went first for that and I picked his advanced gunnery
4: um, when you say five hounds teeth, you mean like the y 666s yeah, yeah, the nice. Teeth.
3: Yeah, he had five of them.
4: The rape vans. <laughs> he had five rape
1: vans. <laughs> yeah.
4: What I, what I mean by that is I painted up mine to all look like rape vans. And I wrote free candy on the side of one of them. This is my favorite
3: one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I beat this guy. Um, he kind of didn't, I guess, read the advanced gunnery card. He didn't think that I could shoot the same ship.
0: As long as you shot as, two as, Yeah, as long
3: as I double arced myself, essentially. Um, so I tabled, well, not tabled, I, I pretty much one shot his Kuat out of the front arc of my ISD uh, before it could even go. Cause I did a uh, price round two and then got in.
4: And boarding troopers.
3: But I, I didn't have boarding troopers. I just. Oh,
4: you had Sloan, didn't you?
5: Yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, I was able to take out his Kuat and then. You know it was uh he almost got my um quasar, I think, but the other thing that happened that he didn't realize, and I you know, I, I didn't say shit because he was already kind of upset that he lost his go out Um so the the YV666 has grit,
1: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so he totally could have with all of them like just rogue moved. Up to my quasar and killed it but i threw a single defender out there <laughs> to engage all of them and he, he shot at the defender and just totally forgot all the squads had grit <laughs>
0: what you did was you got into a zoodle loop yep. and he got upset and then it got into his brain pattern he's like
3: he was pretty crazy. upset that i i wasted his kuat round three but i mean oh, hey
0: you know uh, your own objective that's man. how
3: advanced gunnery works you know i'm not not saying shit against the guy we've all been to that point, but sure. Um yeah. I mean, it, at the same time, it's worlds. So like, if, if that's what you get fucked yeah. up, then, like, you probably should.
4: Yeah. Well, you have to know that. And like, try and if you got two ISDs and they both have advanced gunnery and your first second player, you got to just try and just go tip to tip.
3: Yeah. And that, that was his advanced gunnery ship also. So, sure. So I got the extra points for that. Um, so I, I lost the first one, six, five, and then I won this one. It was 267 to 123. He got some squads in a gazani I, I don't know what that is offhand. Um, but round three, I played JJ, and he already talked about his list. Um, and he I gave him first, so he picked my fighter ambush. And what ended up happening was he placed his – because he had two transports, and a CR-90, and he placed the CR-90 off to the side, and then I got to place all my defenders. So, like, I was sitting there looking at it, and I kind of saw that, you know, with the new rules, if you kill all the ships before, or, yeah, before the end of the round. Right, world, so you have, the that,
4: you have figure you can cute.
3: So, like, I, I saw that, and I placed my defenders in a spot, you know, within range of the Quasar because they had boosted comms where they could go over and potentially get his CR 90 with my first activation. Um, And I knew he'd be able to send some squads over first, uh, but the way it was positioned, I think all he could do was like one YT 2400, uh, which he did, but I couldn't kill it with Darth Vader. So I couldn't get any of my squads out. And then that was just a complete wash that that was wasted because then he dropped his, MC 75 that didn't really work out well at all um, <laughs> so I, I kind of got baited for that and then something else that was kind of cool is he got a triple kill with his 75 he killed my I think it was he killed my quasar and then he killed a transport and then he rammed a transport to death all in one activation
4: is <laughs> impressive.
3: so I lost that 329 to 81 he got it, you. It was, yeah. pretty, it was pretty brutal. Um, and throughout this uh, this world's experience, I've really grown a hate for fucking YT2400s. <laughs>
4: <laughs> They're so fucking good, dude. <laughs> uh,
3: and then round four, I played this guy, Angelo. Um, he had an MC80 pickle and a Liberty um, with. A bunch of yt 2400s um and to donna and he beat me on the bid so he he went first and he again picked my fighter ambush um and i don't know what the fuck was going on um we went and got some beers before because this was like <laughs> where the break was and i don't know i didn't get like drunk uh like i was joking about earlier um but i think like i just i was fatigued because like i don't i legit don't really remember my thought process for this game um but it kind of just boiled down to like um i i kind of i had to win bigger than a 6-5 to get dice so i couldn't just run away and i kind of positioned myself to like run away and i i turned in kind of early because i was looking i was like oh he's he's only got two ships like Kuat should be able to take this, and then uh, I ended up getting table. <laughs> so he uh, he killed my fucking because you know he had like Moncarron and I think he had no he had the Donna. Um, yeah, he killed the Kuat, and then after that he just ate up the Quasar, and that was all he needed to do. Okay. But, um, you know, my transports and my squads didn't matter. So, I I kind of fed it to him. Um,
0: so, after the beating JJ gave you, you mentally checked out?
3: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah.
0: Um,
3: and, like, you know, I'm not trying to be, like, a shitty loser and just blame, like, this Angelo guy. You know, I, I don't really know him. I'm not trying to say he was, like, he got lucky or anything. Like, I'm sure he's a good player and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I fed him the win. But, like, I I gave him an extra helping. Yeah. <laughs> Um so yeah that's how the tournament went. Uh and then I did a couple side tournaments. Um we did a 200 point tournament that was three rounds the day after. Um and all I took was a, a Kuat with Price, you know, loaded out with APT and then the only squad I had was IG. Um and I played the first two rounds I won um cuz I I did Price round 2 and then I went in and So they had a a specific objective for this tournament and it was um, you place an objective tote marker in your deployment zone and then you pick an objective ship and you had to get into your enemy's deployment zone and grab that marker when you reveal a command. So what is it? Um, It's kind of like capture the Mm. VIP, but you got to get the one in your uh, opponent's deployment zone. Yeah. So I only had one objective ship. Um, and most of the guys I played had, you know, at least two ships. So my whole plan was just kill their objective ship and then JJ the fuck out and get the token. And it worked for the first two games. Uh I played JJ the second game um again. And then round three, uh, I played Christian, uh the dude from Canada. He yeah. he had um demo uh a TRC Architon's, and uh morneke and bosk and i was looking at you know with, with demo and and the architons i wasn't sure because i knew he wasn't going to come right at me i wasn't sure that i could price round two and get in so i did price round three and then hindsight i totally could have priced round two yeah and mm-hmm. got in and, and still won um and because it was price round three he got in with demo and then followed up with everything and uh i lost
4: yeah, that's what happens when you price in round three. It's just yeah, you have to do two and be aggressive because if you try and go slow, they can get aggressive and yeah. then you can't get caught in a range of things when you gotta wait for all of them to shoot at you.
5: Yeah,
3: round two, he got in with demo and got his face. he got the demo triple tap, um, and then he got the one whatever it is where you lose the four shields on the front. Yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. And then he got a structural. The projector misaligned.
3: Yep, and then he just cleaned up with the the TRC Arctons. So no real regrets there. You know, it was just a fun side event. We were just doing it for prize tickets. Sure. Um,
0: and Christian's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy to play against, too.
3: Yeah. yeah. So that was a lesson I learned from that is if you're going to price, price round two. And then we did yeah. like, a team tournament. Um. The third day, and that was cool for me because my opponent had to like leave early so he could drive home. So I got all of his uh, tickets.
0: Your opponent? Know, your teammate.
3: Sorry, my teammate. Yeah, yeah, it was a team tournament. What I was, was your teammate? Um, I forgot his name. I added him on Facebook. Uh, I think it's he was a guy out of Oregon. Um,
7: who's driving from Oregon, or he's driving to the airport? Right? He drove from Oregon. Yeah. Jesus. Damn.
4: That's a long drive.
3: So yeah, he had, he had to bail, uh, right when we finished, but I guess he went up to the, like the TO stand and he's like, Hey, we lost, I'm leaving. Can I just get my tickets so I can go to the the booth or whatever. Um, and then when they came around and passed out tickets, they gave me tickets for him too. And I was oh. like, hey, did you get yours? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I, <laughs> I just, I, it was only like 20 tickets or whatever, but still I got a bonus 20 tickets um cool and then just another cool thing that uh a bunch of the armada guys did since we were there you know just waiting around essentially doing side events is they were doing destiny pods like on demand pretty much you know if you had six people to sign up they'd give you a booster pack like the whole box and you just split them up and you just do you know a little mini tournament for for prize tickets so we did like a garbage armada player destiny pod like over half of them had never played before. Like, I played a little bit when the game came out. Uh, we basically all just went over to the FFG HQ and bought um the like draft kits and just learned how to play right there and just were dicking around. And uh, that worked out pretty well. It was like 20 bucks, and then I pulled two legendaries worth 25 a piece. So I haven't sold them yet, but I mean, that pretty much paid for itself.
0: That's cool. Nice. Um,
3: And it was just, it was a good time all around. You know, you just meet people from everywhere and everyone's pretty chill. No one really has any problems with each other. You know, you just go to the bar and drink after you play Armada all day and just hang out and just do
0: nerd stuff. It was awesome. Nice. Nice. So would you go back?
3: I would, um, you know, pending vacation time and everything. Right.
6: Right. But if if it
3: was if it was my choice and I could get it off, I would totally go back. Um,
4: Yeah, I want to go again next year. I I was I wish I had gone. I would have gone this year.
3: It's kind of a lot of money for like a hobby, but
4: it is. But you know,
3: what else are you gonna do in your fucking life? You know, it's (laughs) exactly yeah. I'm just not just gonna sit on my ass and play video games all the time. Like,
4: yeah. Instead, we're gonna go stand somewhere and play board games. Board games.
3: (laughs) (laughs) you know, at least it's like sociable and it's, something. Yeah. you know, it's an experience. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's totally awesome. You know, even though it's, it's hyper competitive, it's not to the point of being on fun. No. I imagine, imagine a lot of games are like, like I know a couple guys that are into magic and they go to like the grand prix or whatever. And it's just, it doesn't sound like fun, you mm-hmm. know? And even though I lost, you know, I only won one of four games. I don't regret anything that I did. Like, it was a fucking world championship, you know. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting to win. I just wanted to go and play Armada and have a great time, which I did. So,
0: yeah, hey, you got lucky. You got you got to play a couple of good opponents that were yep. fun, like in Josiah and Christian and stuff like that. Yep, that's really cool, man. Yeah, that's great. Oh yeah. All right. So that was Brian's um, world's experience. Um, Now to talk about things we've done here tournament wise. um, So I kind of came up with this tournament format and I bounced it off these guys for ideas. And this is what we came up with. So normally three rounds of a tournament sucks. It just does. Even for like a casual tournament. If you have a bad round, you're sucking the rest of the way. So. In most Armada tournaments, it's best to play four rounds at least. At least. Mm. So we came up with a format where you can play four rounds, and it only adds like 45 minutes of the tournament day, if that. So yeah, what if it is that. is it's four rounds. The rounds are two hours, and I think Armada should only be two hours anyways. And it's a hard mm. two hours. So mm-hmm. you don't get to finish your round. If you're at time, time ends, everything ends then. Two rounds, um, there's a 10 minute break in between rounds that's only to move to your next table and get set up and keep moving. And uh, what you do as a TO as the organizer, you order chow for everybody and have everybody chip in. Mostly it's just pizza, that's easy. And you just eat as you play. So the first, I took this out for the first uh, maiden voyage for that gatekeeper tournament we posted on our Facebook page. Told you guys about that I had won with a Rattus fleet that I posted. Um, and in that one, I, I don't remember what exactly happened. I, I believe in the first round, we had two guys, not, two tables not in time. And we had 10 or 12 players? Or was it more?
4: I Ooh. think we had, have, we have, no, we had 12. There were six tables.
3: But we had two guys leave, right?
4: Yeah.
7: Something like that. I I, I didn't make it to to round four.
4: Yeah, there was only five tables in the last round, I think.
3: Well, effectively, we had ten
0: players.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because there ended up being like a bye or whatever. So the point is,
0: people adapt. And I think it makes you a better armada player because you play quicker. And you think smarter and faster. Mm -hmm. So... After that, in round two, I think we only had one table not finish in time. And in, three in, turns, in rounds three and four, everybody finished with time to spare. Yeah, And nobody complete like, everybody liked it at the end. Everybody liked that format after that. After that, we had another tournament at Fun for All, which I couldn't make, but T.O. Evan ran it that way, and they had double-digit numbers. They had 10-plus people, I believe. And he said everybody finished in time every round and um there was another tournament after that they were supposed to do it but they didn't have enough people to play it show up so it didn't work out that way but i mean it's a very simple format it's just four rounds two hours it's a two-hour hard stop and there's like a 10-minute break in between that's just to move tables and that's it and we found that was the best way to do it you still have a bad round and you're getting an extra game of armada in without really adding time to your day Hmm.
3: I think this is absolutely perfect for, like, the seasonal kits, and I would even say store championships.
0: So when I run the store championships, yeah. I'm absolutely doing this.
3: I just don't know how well this would do in, like, a regional, something that's supposed to be a little more formal.
4: Yeah, I think at a regional, you probably want to at least let them finish the round.
0: Yes, I agree yeah. I don't know if it – well, <laughs> technically speaking, it is not good to go a regional for sure. Because FFG rules say you have to play you in the same way. Yes. Yeah. Right. And Matt has ran a regional. He ran the Michigan regional this past year. So, I mean, there would have been a lot of butt hurt to cut time short. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you,
1: you, you,
3: get, really, you get people coming from out of state typically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for
0: us, true. we had people come from
7: out
3: of the fucking country. You know? Yeah. Um,
7: the same thing when we went to the Ohio regional too. It was the same kind of thing. Was, yeah.
4: I think I mean, we only did three I mean, rounds there, gonna,
7: though. It's it's like the world's experience. You don't want to be, you don't want to have people get all bent because you're just throwing a wrench into things from how, yeah, I, I everyone totally knows normally does it. So it's just, but I, to, it, I totally agree. It I was totally
3: agree. absolutely awesome for seasonal kits. And I think, I really think it would be fine for a store championship. Definitely. Store championships uh, it, are still casual. Like,
1: yeah. They, well, they are. They're technically yeah.
0: casual tournaments.
4: Yeah, they are. And one thing I think that was really nice that really worked out well that i was a little concerned about because we have a couple of players who tend to be a little slower and they you know we were kind of just pushing them along like okay we got to go we got to go we got to go and they eventually like they learned i mean you can see from the numbers we had where you know it was two people and then one person then nobody was was going to time and it's not it, it gets boring when the other guy is just like sitting there trying to figure out which ship to activate. And, you know, I'm not saying you got to, like, rush people all the time. But once they start getting used to it, they start being able to play that way. And then it's more fun for everybody, including them.
0: I agree. And I think it makes you, in general, a better player. I think it does. I really do. In your thought process. And it makes your opponent not as bored, just like you said, Dane. And it really moves things along.
4: Yeah. And And
0: sometimes get dragged down in minutiae when it
4: doesn't. Yeah. Plus it did it, it like de-incentivizes people to bring those like annoying lists. We don't like with like tons of fighters and really precise <laughs> placement. And,
0: and it's, the thing it's is, so like, fun. They'll do it because I brought max squads to that tournament. And I, 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 mean, still I, I took win. my world's list
3: and I finished every single game in like an hour,
0: mm-hmm.
3: even at worlds. I finished all my games after about an hour.
4: Yeah. Which is And that and that's fast. But like, you know, I mean I certainly went a lot longer than that in that tournament a few times. But you know, I went an hour and a half, you know, or an hour yeah. forty. Yeah.
0: So that's that format. So feel free to use it, guys. Use it in your local tournaments. Check it out. Try it. I'm telling you, you're gonna like it. You're gonna like it a lot more than just the regular three Two hour fifteen with a big break. You don't need any of that stuff. Yeah. Streamline. your community. It's gonna make your local players better and it's gonna make you better.
4: Yeah, I mean, because you know, you're getting in one more game, one more game of experience. I mean competition, just like with anything. Yep, yeah.
0: The more games you get in, the better.
4: Plus it gets you used to playing four rounds. So when you go to play a four round major tournament like Worlds or Gen Con, mm-hmm. it's a little less draining. So you're a little more used to it.
3: We will get you. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, I felt it this last Worlds and at GemCon Con uh, last year when we went. The day after the tournament, I was fucking beat. It was bad.
7: Yeah. Yeah. It's on Saturday this year, I think, isn't it? Right at the end. It's actually <laughs> on a Saturday this year. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. According to the prize support. Yeah. Spoiler that they put out, it's going to be, there's going to be like a day two cut. We'll see. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're all going to be there. By the way, the whole podcast is going to be there. We all got tickets to GenCon. So. You do?
3: Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's news for me.
0: All four of us. Yeah. That oh, other who, who, who. number
7: that you probably don't have a name for in
0: our. No, I, I, I knew. I <laughs>
3: okay. put two and two together.
0: <laughs>
3: but you also got your buddies in there too.
0: Yeah, but they're not playing our model. Yeah. 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 They're doing other things. So, all right. So that's the episode this uh, month, guys. So. Thanks for joining us, uh, Matt. Where can they find
6: us?
7: Oh, yeah, we are at. You can email us at orjpodcast at gmail dot You have any questions, things you want us to go over? We'll do it. Yeah, the whole do- yep.
0: schoolhouse was driven by a a user or a listener email that wanted to know about squadronless fleets, and we're like, we know some about it, and then we brought a matter, uh, subject matter expert in as a, in JJ and. You know, we might do it again next episode. We'll see.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you want to shoot us a message on Facebook, if that's you prefer to contact us that way, or or post on our Facebook wall, whatever.
3: Our
1: Facebook
4: is also
3: ORJ Podcast. So.
4: Yep.
5: All right.
0: Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you in June ish sometime. Bye.
6: See ya. Taylor Swift, I wanna put some coke in your ass. Did it again, Coke ain't so good. you gonna tell your friends, Tell Taylor Swift, I'm going in. One finger in your booty. They say I'm a bad influence, cuz the lyrics in my music make you not give a fuck. You just do it. Every girl in the world needs some Coke in their ass. You ain't living your life if you ain't got Coke in your ass. Put your hands in the air if you want Coke. All these celebrity bitches need some cocaine in their ass Taylor Swift, I wanna put some coke in your ass Katy Perry, I wanna put some coke in your ass Britney Spears, I wanna put some coke in your ass Lady Gaga, I wanna put some coke in your ass I wanna
5: put some coke in your ass, I wanna put some coke in your ass. I wanna put some coke in your ass, I wanna put some coke in your ass. I wanna put some coke in your ass, I wanna put some coke in your ass. I wanna put some coke in your ass, I wanna put some coke in your ass. ass. and it will be alright if you got drama in your life put your hands in the air and take this coke in your ass and feel the love in the air
6: Taylor Swift I want to put some Coke in your ass, Katy Perry, I want to put some Coke in your ass, Britney Spears, I want to put some Coke in your ass, Lady Gaga, I want to put some Coke in your ass. I wanna put some Coke in your ass,
5: I wanna put some Coke in your ass, I wanna put some Coke in your ass, I wanna put some Coke in your ass. I wanna put some cop-